Well, Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning, for this place together. God, for the, the truth that you've given us. God, for your word ministering grace to us, God. God, this morning what we pray is that you would raise our sense of expectation, God, to get something from you. God, that today the uh, uh, that well of Bethlehem, uh, God, would... Uh, would freely distribute that water for our souls this morning. Lord God, we just pray that you would meet with us in this place, God, and meet the needs of every heart. And we appreciate uh, that that you have met with us time after time after time as we've gathered in this place. Lord, and uh, we just pray that this morning you would do as only you can in your precious, righteous name. Amen and amen. Uh, good morning, all. <clears throat> it's nice to be here this morning while the children of our nation are going to be out groveling in the grass for little plastic eggs laid by a bunny. But <laughs> it's it's one of those things you kind of grow up with, and then the more you think about it, it's like that really does this not raise a red flag for anybody? It's a bunny laying eggs. What does that have to do with Jesus? Uh, and it's and it's tough because you know you can't really some people you can't really discuss that with them. You know, um, like my folks, for example. It's like they're they're not Christian, but they're not at all antagonistic. And uh, like they get my kids all these Easter cards and candy and stuff. They they have since got away from the baskets with the grass. I hated those things. But uh, I can't really discuss that with them and explain why we don't celebrate Easter. Because, you know, it's like people always, you don't celebrate Christmas? It's like, well, yes and no. Not like you're thinking, you know. But, uh, you know, and, and Easter's kind of the same way. It's like, I guess, the two big holidays of the year. People look at you kind of funny when you... Kind of, if you start discussing the origins of those holidays with them. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, so that's that's my Easter rant this morning. So now, uh, go with me to uh, Isaiah 25. You know, and the great thing is is <clears throat> 25. Uh, getting to, uh, you know, we don't need to wait for. A nice springy Sunday morning to celebrate Jesus uh, and his resurrection because he lives in us. So we've been made partakers of that resurrection life. So who needs to wait for one day a year? It does, however, present a nice opportunity to wear a nice new outfit and you know get your pretty little summer hat and all that stuff. You know, if you're one of those type of people. Mm-hmm. And they were they had a basket with eggs and go let's go hide the kids you know? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> yeah. Cynthia got some new shoes and uh 
So Sarah came over and they were looking through her closet together because you know you, you you know lots of people are like it's a special occasion I need to have a new outfit. So then we decided that now Cindy needs a new dress. We just didn't have time to get to it. So yes, those. Uh, so I decided to go against the grain and wear just about the oldest dress shirt I have. So. Well, you know, it just it's kind of just depends on who gets to the closet first, what color we're going to wear. So, usually I pick out my outfit and then she picks something that coordinates, not matches, coordinates. Uh, this time I, I let her pick. And I, we, my first choice, she didn't have anything in that color and vice versa, so we got close. Been coming here for 21 years without trying to coordinate with anybody, so I think it's okay. Anyway, Isaiah 25 um, <clears throat> says, O Lord, Thou art my God, and I will exalt Thee, and I will praise Thy name, for Thou hast done wonderful things. And thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. And that's just, I don't know, you know this is going to be a good chapter when it starts out like that. You know, that, that He's done great things. And uh, done wonderful things. Wonderful is an even better word than great. The counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. You know, and that's the great thing about getting an answer from God about something, is that you know His answers are going to be faithful and true. In fact, in in, uh, in Revelation, uh, He said that was His name, was that He was faithful and true. And so, there is nothing quite like having. Uh, advice or counsel, whatever you want to call it, that's not so faithful or so true, well-meaning perhaps, but misguided. Um, I got into a situation once following someone's advice, and uh, uh, I had this dream that uh, Mike and I were uh, doing cocaine, but it didn't feel like anything. It had absolutely no effect whatsoever. I was quite puzzled and a little troubled by what that might mean. And Ron's like, well, you're taking this advice, but as you can see, it's not doing anything for you. And uh, it feels good to just take somebody's advice. It's quite gratifying uh, to just have somebody tell you what to do. And it is. But uh, but if it's not benefiting you, then, then obviously that's not the way to go. So the great thing about getting counsel from God, though, is that it's always faithful and true. And... And it works. You know, the things that he tells you to do, sometimes it's like, um, really? Yeah. And and then you, you go do it, and and you find that it works. <clears throat> so he says, thou hast made of a city a heap, of a defense city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city, it shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee, and the city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. So that's great. You know, last week we were talking about um, uh, dealing with those nations inside you, those those walled cities and things. And here he says he makes them a heap, and a defense city of ruin. So, you know, so you know, shoot me a problem in your life that is bigger than what he can handle. I can hear the cricket. You guys are so well trained. <laughs> but 
So he says, uh, for thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones as, is as a storm against the wall. So if you've ever been in distress, or in a storm, or out in the heat, then it, uh, then you know what he's talking about. You know, last summer, um, before Mike and I graduated from uh, the uh, the world of manual labor, um, <laughs> sorry, just kidding. I remember we were working on this house, and it was so incredibly hot. Um, I mean, it was, it was floating right around 100 degrees. It was humid, and it was just hot. One of those days where the sun feels like a hammer, <laughs> and... Uh, these, these clouds went by, covered up the sun for a little while, and it was just, oh. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that he's talking about here. You know, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. And, uh, and so it's a blessing to have those things because, you know, you can have your life going really, really well, and still there's this thing in your life that's like a storm going on. Or there, there's like this this hot patch, as it were, where things are not how you'd like them to be. Um, and and those things do leave you feeling needy and poor because you feel like you've got something uh, broken in your life, perhaps. <clears throat> and and he, But he says that he's a, he's a strength in those things and a refuge. So, you know, if you, if you have an issue, uh, then... There's not much better than uh, a strength and a refuge. So, especially a refuge that uh, takes the uh, uh, these these strong refuges of your enemies and destroys them. Doesn't get much better than that. You should bring down the noise of strangers, as the heat in the dry place, even as the heat or even the heat with the shadow of the cloud, the branch of the terrible one should be brought low. Now here's where I was actually going. So all that other stuff was free now. Uh, you are all on the clock. And in the <laughs> and in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wine on the lees well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over the people and the veil that spread over the nations. So the interesting thing here, of course, we we know we live in the mountain because it's his mountain, and David built he built Zion in a mountain, and I love it because uh, um, tells you after uh, David takes Jerusalem, and uh, and it says he he dwelt in Zion, but uh, uh, when you look that uh, that word up in that verse, it says he dwelt in the fort, so it doesn't get much better than living in a fort. When you have people who would like to to, to get at you, but he says so. This in this mountain shall the Lord of Hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. You know, and you know, God is a God of feasts, and and I like that because it's it's so easy to find yourself on this this religious treadmill of. I've got to do, 
or I have to be, or or whatever. And, and I think part of the reason it's easy to fall into that place is because God does have expectations for your life because he gives you power. And there are things he expects you to do, not do, and those kinds of things. Um, but because we have this knowledge of good and evil, and because we have an adversary who likes to pick at us about the uh, with our our earnest, sincere desire to please God, uh, he knows he can pick at you about these things. And and it's easy to fall into that place of feeling like life is not fun, or that God God's not okay with you having fun. And uh, and I like it because when you when you go through the 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 feasts, you know, there's seven feasts that he that he set up for his people. That's that's quite a few parties, and these aren't like a one day, you know, like you know you're sitting around at Thanksgiving and feeling sorry for all the people that are there with you that have to work on Friday. You know, it's like like ooh. Working on Friday. Yeah. No, we've, we've uh, um, had people come to work for us. Like, so do you, uh, it's like, do we have to work the day after Thanksgiving? No. That is sacrosanct. That is an untouchable day. That That's, I mean, and it would be worthless to have you come to work that day. Because nobody would get anything done through the carb coma. So, but anyway... So he's got all these feasts, right? I mean, seven feasts throughout the year. I mean, if you divide the year in half, that's only six. So he's got an extra. And these are like days at a time. You know, when you when you read about, you know, these, these weddings that they do and these parties, it's like they're not always just like a one-day thing. I think we're in too much of a hurry sometimes. It's like... You know, Cynthia always thought that I should take the first year off after we got married to cheer her up, like the Bible says. I thought, well, I don't know that our society really leaves us time for a whole year of that. I mean, I mean I'll be off work on Saturday, um, you know. But you know, to take that time to to really celebrate is a, is a really grand thing. And so, but that's a lot of feasts. Where he wants to gather his people up and 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 spend some time with us, you know. And you know, I think we all remember Jesus looking at Jerusalem and he's like, "How often would I have gathered you together, and you wouldn't?" You know. So uh, it's a grand thing to have that that time alone with him in the prayer closet, and certainly not something to be abandoned. But there's something precious about gathering together with his people, and. I don't know about you, but every Sunday around here is like, it's like feast day. It's like party time. You know, it's like, like I don't want to miss that for nothing. But a feast of the fat things. And uh, the other thing I, I thought was really precious about that too is it's like, you know, all these sacrifices. Um, you know the, um, you know like the the priests would eat the meat that was boiled. If you've ever had boiled meat, yeah, mm. no, we uh, we had pork chops out on the grill last night, and there's just something about you know that little bit of fat along the edge, and it's like got this little bit of crusty, you know, it's like teriyaki sauce or whatever that's just like perfect on there. Of course, my kids all like, ew, I'm gonna cut it off, but I don't. I mean, that just makes it so much better. So good, right? 
I mean, I, I guess that's how they stay so skinny. I don't know. But maybe I should take a page from their book. But this 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 feast of fat things, it's like, it's like hey, this is a party. We're going to eat the fat today. You know, and that's a grand thing. And this, this feast of the wines on the lees. This is a really precious thing. Because I read that and I thought, what the heck does that mean? And I got to looking at it and these... This is this wine, the best wine, that's been kept back. And um, um, and, it, and it has to do with the uh, the dregs. You know, when you have, you have a really, really good cup of coffee, there's always this, like, stuff in the bottom. You know, like, you know, you, know, you get that cheap stuff, you know, from the gas station or whatever. You get to the bottom of the cup, there's nothing there. Uh, you get a good pour over French press, something like that. There's going to be this gook in the bottom. And you don't want to drink it necessarily, but you know that's like the sign of a really good cup of coffee, right? <laughs> so that's what he's talking about here. Is he's like, this is the wine that's got all the good stuff, and uh, but he says um, the, the fat things full of the marrow and the wine and the lees well refined. So this this refi- the sense of refining is like strained, like this has been strained. So so I let this stuff hang out in there and make the wine really really good, and then and then I strained out all the stuff that you would have to leave out at the bottom of the cup because you can't drink that part, so that you can have all of it. You can have all of the really good stuff. You're not going to have like a little puddle in the bottom with the, with this stuff. But you're going to get to drink all of this. And this is the really good wine. Um, um, you can leave. You don't have to go with me, but I want to read something really quick out of John two. You know what I'm going to read? Probably. Of course, he's at this wedding in in Cana. You know, and, and what better reason to celebrate than a wedding? I, I'm always like, yes, when somebody's going to get married. I'm like, that means party's coming. Like, we're going to have a party on the mountain. That having been said, don't rush. It's a big decision. But, uh, actually, public service announcement. Um, and, uh, you know, and I love this here because, you know, uh, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith to them, they have no wine. It's like, man, like, really? It's like, you know, she went and told Jesus they don't have wine and that they wanted some? I mean, doesn't that seem kind of unchristian? <laughs> and then saith the mother of Jesus unto them, they have no grape juice. No. No. And... You know, but you know, obviously, you know, you gotta be careful with the with the wine because you can get kind of obnoxious and uh, and you can get carried away with it. That happens. Uh, but you know, he he's like, you know, and I love what Ron said about this. You know, it's like because you could read this and come away with he wasn't expecting this to happen. But uh, you know, he, he's like, well, maybe they should just have water now. Maybe they've had enough. But then when you get down here to um, to verse 10, uh, the governor of the feast says to the, to the, 
the groom, he says, Every man at the beginning to set forth good wine, and would men have well drunk that which is worse, but you've kept the good wine till now. And so, you know, we um, you know, we go through these these places where where we face these cities, uh, these defense cities, and God makes a ruin out of them, makes a heap out of them. We go through these uh, desert places and and uh, um, and all all of these difficult things. And uh, you know, when you when you come through a really tough thing, there's something about celebrating, you know, or celebrating the blessings of God. That's that's really a, a precious thing. And uh, I don't know when I read verse six, I I'm just I'm picturing like this, you know, you know. Uh, party out in the woods with all the pretty lights out on the trees, and you know it's like everybody's having a good time, you know. But it's a precious thing that God does that for us, and uh, He. Um, but these, uh, so I like how He saved this good wine to last, and uh, and so, you know, because He said that wine was for them of a sorrowful heart and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, we all know that wine, when he's talking about wine, he's talking about joy. And so there's this this really precious joy in, um, you know, having come through tough places and knowing that, on and seeing on the other side that God did great things for me. And, uh, and there, there's nothing quite like that joy. You know, so this, so he's talking about some really great wine here, and he says, and he he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that spread over the nations. So a couple of different things uh, about this. this. This covering is like a veil, like a, um, like a, like a mourning type of veil. And, uh, and so, uh, but the interesting thing about this word veil that he uses here, this, there's a couple of places he uses this in Isaiah, where he, and, it, and it translates it as veil. Everywhere else you come across this word, it's molten image. And so it's always connected with this sense of, of idolatry. And, uh, and so as we come through these, these places, we... Uh, you know he uh, he takes he takes all these things that that you could trust in, and you find out you can't trust in them. Takes all of these uh, all of these these uh, and it's interesting that he would call it a covering, because having something to trust in is like having a covering of some sort. And uh, and it, because you know it's like I think of like a like a blanket. You know it's like I have my comfy prayer blankie and. Like I'm like Linus with my little blanket in the morning, you know. And uh, um, but there's a there's a comfort in that sense of a covering, and and you can take a sense of comfort in a covering that's not God, that that's not His goodness or His faithfulness. Um, and and so sometimes these these uh. These defense cities that he was talking about before, these palaces full of strangers, are those very things. And, and he gets rid of those things in our life. And it and it it's not fun dealing with those moments. And a lot of times it comes with it this sense of why is this happening to me? Why? 
Um, if you're a whiner like me, then then most certainly you'll you'll come to those places of why is this happening to me, and that kind of thing. But this is what he does. He he says that I will destroy, or actually, uh, the margin says swallow up in this mountain the face of the covering that has covered the people. This this veil that's spread over the nations, this covering, this molten image. So anything that you have placed before him, he's talking about getting rid of those things. But he's connected it to this feast with the wine, this refined, really nice wine on the lees, this joy. And there's something about being set free from trusting in anything other than him that really brings a sense of joy to it. Um, Because it's easy to rest in other things. And uh, um, there, but there's there's something about you know God will put you in places where you're just kind of stuck, and you just find yourself having to just rely on Him because you couldn't really do anything else anyway. Um, and there, when you when you accept that place, when you come to the sense of surrender to Him in that. Uh, then there really is a sense of joy in that, and a sense of freedom in that, that it's like, wow, I've, I've done everything I can do, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave this to him and, and let him let him get me through this place, let him lead me on through here. And, and it's a precious thing um, because, you know, life with, with him really is like a feast. You know, the Bible says that he that has a merry heart has a continual feast. I always said that about my kids because it's like you just see them doing the things that they do. It's like, a eh, party of one. You know, uh, uh, just, uh, the kids and I were home for a while yesterday while Cynthia was out. And, and uh, I realized I had kind of lost track of Zoe. And uh, as happens when you have three of them. And uh, I asked uh, the boys if they'd seen her. And Jeremy's like, oh, she's in her room. Like, uh, like, um, what did he say? He said something about, you know, if she's quiet, then she's usually in, uh, in her room or watching TV. Otherwise, she's usually making noise. And it is true. You know, and she does take her party with her everywhere she goes. Because every time you send her up to get dressed, you go check on her like half an hour later because you realize she never came back down. And she's still in what she was wearing when she went up there. And she's playing. You know, she's dancing. She's singing. She's, you know, she's playing school teacher with her little stuffed animals, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's like, honey, it's time to get dressed. I forgot. So, you know, so, you know, life, you know, when you, when you don't have all those burdens and cares of being an adult, life is really like that. You know, if you, if you live in a, a home that has peace and those things are taken care of, and you have no reason to worry about them. Life is really like that. I think that's why sometimes, you know, in those hard moments we think, oh, I'll have to be a kid again. You know, there were times I looked back and thought, it'd be kind of nice to be like five again. I have like these really fuzzy, fuzzy, indistinct memories of being that young and you know, all these sunny days playing in the yard and just having a great time. But then you think back and, like, and you think of all you would have to give up be a, a kid again, and it's like, uh, not to mention having to go through being a teenager again. 
and and trying to get started in life again and uh and all that kind of stuff. I've come too far to look back. <laughs> so uh, I I for one could uh uh could leave my teenage years behind me forever. So um but it really is a precious thing when he when he he sh- because it it's a it's a loving thing that he does taking away this this covering of this molten image taking away this covering of this veil that's that that we we find ourselves covered up with um, hang on just a moment I had another little note here now I don't remember what it is but you don't mind Yeah, the other the other thing that I had written down here was a, a reference to in Matthew where he talked about um, how you don't put new wine into old bottles uh, because it just doesn't work, and so God does indeed make us new. And this is another part of that same thing because uh, you know He's not going to put all of His of this precious wine of joy of His presence and His love into this bottle that's got this molten image on the outside. So so he's got to take away those things and make you a new bottle that that you can see through. Because, you know, is it, I, I mean, I like the occasional glass of wine, but I don't really know enough about it to look at it in the light and kind of swirl it around like they do. I mean, it's kind of fun. So. It's got a nice fruity bouquet. I don't know what that means. It's just like, yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of nice. I would believe I would have another. But see, I like how, you know, this, it's kind of reserved for these feasts as well. Because if it's, if you're having like three glasses of wine because it's Tuesday evening, that might be a problem. But, um,. You know, but the great thing about this um, this joy that God's talking about is you really can't have too much of it. I mean, you, you might be dangerous. You know, people might tunnel under the street to avoid you if you had that much joy. But um, but there's I don't know there's but there's this peace that comes with just having God just take care of all the stuff in your life and 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 Him getting rid of this this molten image and and bringing you through these hard places and bringing you to this feast of the fat things. And the wine on the lees. It's a precious thing. And it says in verse 8, He'll swallow up death and victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. That's good stuff. So what have we... You know, And I like this. The rebuke of His people shall He take away from off the earth. Because uh, if you read the news at all, which I try to avoid, then you can't help but see that that how you know like even even just when I was a kid, you know, being a, a Christian was something that people respected, at least to some degree, you know, and uh, and now it's something you know to be reviled. And you know, I saw this bumper sticker the other day that said "God's just pretend," and I just thought, oh, it just made me sick inside. I thought, man. You know, of course, they had the little equal sign uh, on their car as well, and I thought, oh man, you know. But and uh, 
No, I mean, it, it was this interesting mixture of, like, anger, indignant, righteous fury, and, and just made me just sad. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, how would, you know, to have somebody talk about somebody you love that way is really, it's a really hurtful thing. And uh, that's why, that's why you don't talk about people's mama. <laughs> that's a good way to get hurt. I I tried that in school. And, and mercy shined upon me, and I can still walk. But um, you know, I mean, I didn't really realize quite how much fire I was playing with. You know, so life teaches you some interesting things. You know, I was talking to my kids about consequences the other day, as not as a punishment, but as um, a action and reaction. Like sometimes you do things, and the consequence of it is just just happens. You know, it's a it's a reaction. And so I, you know, growing up, I I could have used a little more consequence, perhaps. And. Uh, so it took me a while to to learn to keep my mouth shut, but uh, anyway, that's another story. Um, but you know that sense of having the rebuke of his people being taken away from off the earth, you know, because it's you know he 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 told us to expect that that he's like you know the world hates me they're gonna hate you, and uh, doesn't really make it feel any better necessarily. You know, and so it's like I just pray that God give me a heart like Peter, where they beat him, and he was like, "Yes," like you know. I, I suppose I kind of felt that way in high school, and then then I felt I got a little more, you know, protective of precious. I, and I think that just happens sometimes as you get a little older. But uh, you know, and, and man, I take so much hope from Peter's story, you know. Because he had this covering, this covering of his little security blanket, and uh, and and so he he wrapped himself in his fear and protected himself with it, and um, you know, and you feel sorry for him because you can identify with it, and and you feel bad for him. I mean, I do, but then you you read Acts and you find out what God did and how. You know, or, um, man, G. Campbell Morgan did the most precious sermon called The Turning Again of Peter. If you've never read it, you, you must. Where it, and it talks about how uh, Jesus says, go tell the disciples and Peter uh, that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet with them. And, um, and you know, there's, uh, you know, those precious things that that he did with Peter because Peter of all people would have thought, well, he's done with me then. And, uh, and, and filled with the sense of, of loathing and still carrying around his, his little, uh, fear blanket. And, and then, um, uh, on the day of Pentecost though, then he suddenly lost his blanket and, uh, and, and God made him bold and it was a precious thing. So, so he's a great example of, of what we're talking about here, and he wasn't afraid of that uh, that rebuke anymore. I mean, obviously they all gathered together and said, "Lord, grant us boldness." You see all their threatenings. Uh, so there's certainly not a cavalier approach that we take to life, but it's a precious thing how he how he gives us that boldness. 
Verse 9, and it should be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We would be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So that's a grand thing. Because uh, when when we're back here at the beginning of the chapter, with these you know facing these defense cities and, and palaces of strangers and stuff, uh, you kind of want it, want it dealt with right now. You know, um, I know some people are very manana manana type of personalities, and they're content to wait till whenever to get something handled. And then there are those people that uh, they get their phone out of their pocket. And they're going to deal with this right now, you know. And uh, I think I'm kind of somewhere in between. But uh, um depends on how uh, how comfortable I am with dealing with it. Because <laughs> if I'm not, then I'll kind of hem-haw around. Yeah, we need to deal with that tomorrow. But uh, but there's a, there's a precious thing about waiting. You know, and uh, God knows how to stretch your patience a bit to and teach you to wait. But the great thing about it is it's like, just like he said in Romans 5, he's like, tribulation works patience and experience, uh, patience, experience, experience, hope. Because when you go through those things, you come through it with this sense of, wow, this really does work. This worked before. I have every reason to believe it's going to work this time. And then when somebody else that is talking to you about, hey, I've got this thing and I don't know how this is going to work, you have experience. You have this testimony that, well, God worked with his patience in me, and uh, and so I can tell you that he's working patience in you. And it's like I love the old, the old story about the little boy that prayed, God, I want patience and I want it now. Because that's that's how we all want patience, fairy dust. Well, patience doesn't work that way, you know. I, I think God has a sense of humor about it sometimes, you know. It's like he, we had this awesome opportunity handed to us, and we kept waiting for an answer. It's like, well, you're going to get your answer this day. You're going to get your answer this day. But now it's going to be this day. And I mean, I was tearing my hair out. And if any of you that like talk to me regularly, you know that you've heard, you've had it up here hearing about it. But um, finally, this week, we did, in fact, hear about it on a day I was not expecting. I was, I was going to finally just, you know, call the guy and be like, look, seriously, you know. But uh, the last thing I expected was to just have this little magic email pop up in my box. And uh, um, and I just kind of stared at it disbelievingly, you know. And, and sometimes, and, and I was expecting it, honestly. I was expecting the answer I got. I just... You know, sometimes when, you know, sometimes God does stuff for you and, and you're just not sure what to do with it, you know. Sometimes, you know, you, you hand, you know, it's like, it's great because you hand a kid a present, you know, and they jump up and down, woohoo, you know. And, you know, sometimes when you're an adult, it's like you might feel just as excited, but you're just not sure what to do because you're probably too dignified now to jump up and down and shout and so forth. We had, you know, it was really precious this week. Um, I knew it was going to rain some this weekend, and there's some chances next week. And I'm kind of a yard nerd, and my yard looks terrible. The, the people that live there didn't do; they did not take care of it at all. I don't think they know what a rake was. 
and I've got all these mature trees, and so I've just got all these dead patches of mud in my yard. I really kind of missed, like, my nice hard driveway. It's like how you could, like, go in my house in Baldwin without ever, like, touching anything organic. And, you know, I just... No, and I I just, I have so little free time. I was really like, oh, man, I really want to get this whipped into shape. And so I managed to finally, you know, enlisted the kids. And we finally got the, the yard ready to, you know, put some seed down and stuff. And... I was like, and, and really needed mode first. I was like, I don't have time. Uh, maybe I'll get to it this weekend. And uh, um, uh, this kid comes by from like two blocks away, like a junior high age kid, uh, and he asked if he could mow our yard for ten bucks. And I was like, sold. <laughs> and um, and uh, he got he got done and. Uh, you know, we paid him and uh, got his name and his and his phone number. And we're like, hey, we'd like to have you back, you know, two or three times a month, maybe four. You know, we'd like to have you back regularly mow my yard. Because I've been thinking, I don't have time to mow my yard. I kind of need somebody to mow it for me. And uh, Jeremy's a bit young to stick him behind the mower just yet. And uh, so I, had, I hadn't even really prayed about it. It was just I was thinking about it, you know. And then this kid pops up. And it's like, man, you have just picked up, like, a recurring account, my friend. And, um, you know, in fact, I'm going to see if he can, if he's tall enough to handle the weed eater. And it's like, hey, charge me more. Let's do this, too. You know, but the, here's the great part about the story is he, he hops on his little riding mower. It was it was a old, junky thing, you know, kind of like. Sounded like something off of Looney Tunes, like. Bah, 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 bah. He's driving down the street, and over the roar of this motor, you hear. <laughs> like that was the best thing ever. It's like I just made that kid's day, and he made mine. So it's like, man, that was awesome. So you know. And he was all cool in front of us, you know. I don't think he realized we could still hear him. Because <laughs> uh, he was just like, you know, he, he like took the money, gave us his information, like, yeah, thank you very much, okay, bye. You know, and it's like, as, you know, as a new salesman does, uncomfortable as I'll get out. And, you know. and then as soon as you think you're out of sight, yes! <laughs> Best day ever! So... So it's it's a precious thing though because you know honestly God really does he takes care of our stuff and um you know and we let him and it's easier for him to take care of our stuff when we let him <laughs> you know it's nothing like uh trying to lick the beaters while it's still running um, <laughs> sometimes helping God is kind of like that It's like, well, you're kind of getting in my way here. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, the boys wanted to help me a little bit with some stuff in the yard, and I was just, I'm so, like, just focused on getting done when I'm getting done. It's like, they they want to help, and I'm trying to just be cool and let them help. Just kind of standing there, like, eh, what else can I do then? You know, it's, but you know, the great thing is, is God just, you know, 
He gets in there and he takes care of your stuff. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know, it, to me this, this chapter, it's almost like, it's almost like reading a really great novel. You know, it's like the, the party goes on this great adventure and there's, you know, danger and romance and daring do and all this stuff and then, you know, you get to the end and big party. You know, but he's like telling you, hey, we're, we're going to this party, you know, and uh, and so, you know, uh, and I'll close with this, you know, the the prodigal son's brother could have had a party any old time, you know, and that's what his father told him. He's like, you could have a party anytime you want, you know, you didn't have to be, you know, out in the field, you know, working yourself half to death uh, in order to earn my, a party from me. You know, it's like everything I have is yours. Um, and so, um, I don't know, I always read that story and his father almost sounds bewildered to me. Yeah. Like, why, why, what ever gave you the idea that you could never have a party? And so the the great thing about this this sense of these feasts that, that God has, has given us then is this 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 pure, refined kind of joy. The, the the joy that that comes from knowing that he loves you and, and and having this testimony of you know he's like he set me like Peter he set me free from fear or he set me free from this he did these things in my life he got rid of these this this veil that I had you know and even that sense of of like a mourning type of veil it's like he gets rid of that and you know you get rid of the this this garment of uh, heaviness get this this uh, spirit of praise i mean god is a you know he's a he's a great god and and uh and i don't think uh you know i don't think he would have us to just be moping around i mean there's plenty of things to be burdened about in the world uh but your relationship with him doesn't need to be one of them and it's like that should be like that little place that you retreat to and and, and find that joy so, Jesus, we just thank you for your word to us, and your love and your goodness. Lord, what we pray is that you would uh, do in our lives uh, the things that your word has set forth, that you uh, have every intention of doing. And God, we pray that uh, you would make us uh, into exactly what you want us to be. Lord God, that you would uh, make plain to us these, these things in our life that, uh, that, you would, uh, that you would take away. Lord, that you give us strength for the journey and patience, Lord, as we, we wait for you and the things that you're doing and, uh, and a sense of contentment that you're getting done what you want to get done. Lord, we just pray that you would plant these things in us and that you would bring the increase, God, and that uh, today you would meet the need of every heart in this place as only you can. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen.